Sun Life Community Church came into being as the result of a compelling vision for a different kind of church, interested in what we call the Sun Life, experiencing and sharing the life of God's Son. Perhaps your heart is burdened these days. We invite you to allow the Word of God through the words of this message to bring rest to your soul and joy to your heart. Our Heavenly Father, now we're going to open your word. It's where almost all of your truth is found. And there's a particular truth that we're going to look at today. Words that Jesus himself spoke. And we want these words to speak to our heart. We want your Holy Spirit to give them the power they had when they were first spoken and first heard by Jesus' own disciples. So, Father, we ask that now, that we might truly be affected, changed, strengthened, encouraged because of them. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We continue on today in this series of messages called Red Letter Living, and that is every message is built around some specific statement that Jesus made, a teaching that he gave himself, that in many New Testaments, his words are written in red ink. And so therefore, we come with the Red Letter Living series of messages. We've gone through quite a few of them. I'm not sure how many more we have, but you know what? Gary and Kay Rowe gave me a devotional just a couple of weeks ago, a little black book, beautiful little booklet, and, and it's a devotion, 365 days, the whole year's worth, all taken from a teaching of Jesus. So I just said to Gary this morning, thank you so much for that. There's 365 right there. Now, we've covered enough of them. I don't know if we're going to go through all 365 in that book, and that book didn't even exhaust everything that's in the Scripture, but we've gone through quite a few. We're getting close to 30 at this point. And today, here we go again. Consider with me now today's red-letter Scriptures. One verse, Matthew chapter 26, verse 25, Jesus said, Whosoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. Now that's a shocking statement. Jesus gave it right to his disciples. And all by itself it can, can shock us and say, now what does that really mean for sure? But if we put it back in its context... In fact, as I was leaving the house this morning, all done, ready to go, it's almost like the Holy Spirit said to me, Mark, context... Where was this said? Why was it said? Well, let me just tell you quickly. This statement in verse 25 of Matthew chapter 16 comes just after Peter had made that marvelous confession when Jesus had said to his disciples, Who are men saying I am? There's been ministry going on. Who do men say that I am? And they gave some answers. And then he says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks up and he says, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That's in chapter 16, verse 16. 
And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon. My heavenly Father has revealed that to you. Well, then, having Peter said that, Jesus, the scripture says in Matthew 16, he starts to tell them about what's going to happen to him as the Messiah, as the son of the living God who's come to earth. He's going to suffer. He's going to die. He's going to be giving his life. And in the middle of his explanation, Peter has a new flash of insight. Not from God the Father. And he says, Lord, that'll never happen to you. That'll never happen to you. Almost like, I won't let it. All of us, we're here to guard you, to watch over you. And so over here in Matthew uh, chapter 16, Jesus then begins to, uh, well, he's explaining that, and then he takes Peter aside. He takes Peter aside. Actually, Peter had first taken him aside and said, this will never happen. And in verse 23, Jesus turns and says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Merely human concerns. And then, Jesus says, just two verses later, whosoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. That verse came to Jesus' own disciples. We might think that verse was an evangelistic call. We might think that verse was given to the Pharisees or the, just the, the publicans, the people who needed the Lord. But Jesus said it actually first, most directly, to Peter and to his small band of followers who were there. So we got to say it comes to us today. It comes to us today. This is not really a verse primarily to be used when you're out with somebody who doesn't believe in the Lord. You're trying to witness to them and, and you're trying to tell them that all the things they do in their life aren't going to amount to anything unless they give their heart to Jesus. Jesus was saying these words to people who had already declared themselves to be his. And so here it is, coming to us. Now, I want you to listen carefully today. We're going to cover a lot of stuff, but this afternoon I will mail out the full text of this message, and I'd encourage you to read it and kind of ponder through some of these things as we go through it right now. But a couple of thoughts occur to me right off the bat regarding this statement. Whosoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whosoever loses his life for me, or the King James says, for my sake, will save it. Here's the first thing that occurs to me. Saving one's life, enhancing one's life, is a natural human endeavor. Getting ahead and staying ahead is a natural human desire. In and of itself, not sinful. It's natural. God, God made us to have a, a desire to, to thrive. Saving one's life, enhancing one's life is a natural human endeavor. Getting ahead and staying ahead is a natural human desire. However, in this verse what Jesus is saying is that that desire is never fulfilled. 
Those who get ahead never stay ahead. And even if they do, their life comes to an end with their final earthly breath. And after that, if that's all they've been living for, after that, it's all downhill. Judgment faces them. And what they thought they had saved is sadly lost. Second thought. Losing one's life, that is surrendering one's life to the person of Christ, is an unnatural human endeavor. It goes contrary to all human instinct. And yet there are those who do it. Men and women who resist the norm, who hear the call of Christ and realize that there is more to life than the here and now and the pleasures and passions of this world. They are those who affirm, whether they ever heard it or not, they're affirming this insight that Jim Elliott, the missionary, recorded in his diary some years before he laid down his life in the jungles of Ecuador along with four others who were equally spiritually sighted. Here's what Jim Elliott wrote. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep, namely earthly life, to gain that which he cannot lose, heavenly life. They, Jim and his four buddies, I think Linda has their picture up here in front of us, they, along with their wives, were eager to invest their lives. And they were even willing to lose their lives for Christ, if called upon to do so. They built their lives upon today's red letters. Whosoever wants to save his life will lose it. It's like, if that's all you're involved in, trying to save your life as it is, eventually you're going to lose it. But whosoever loses his life lets it go, for Christ will save it. And so we come to today's key concept. Here's how we're expressing it. You cannot serve both Jesus and self. Remember, Jesus said to Peter, you're just concerned with human concerns, things that relate to you as a human being. Yourself. You can't serve both Jesus and self. One time Jesus said, you can't serve a God and money. No man can have two masters. You can't serve them both. Today we phrase it this way, you cannot serve both Jesus and self. Now the key questions we have are several of them. Why? Why can't I? Don't raise your hand. But how many of you, since you got saved, have set out some kind of agenda for your own life and have been actively, eagerly, enthusiastically, energetically pursuing it? And say, I see, I see no problem with that. I gave my life to Christ and I'm running my life over here. I got a plan. I got a goal. That's what we are as human beings. And, and where those plans and goals come from is kind of the deal. 
Are they coming from Christ so that we're investing our life in his plans and his goals for us? Or are they coming from somewhere inside of us where we are investing ourselves in our plans and our goals and, and is self leading my own interests, my own abilities, my own desires, my own uh, uh, goals? Why is that? Why can't I serve both? What's so wrong with myself? Now, you've got to be honest. So be honest here. You know there are times you look in the mirror and say, not bad. <laughs> I'm not the loser everybody thinks I am. Not bad. Not bad. You know, I'm on my way. I'm making progress. I'm doing okay. Myself, I'm, I'm kind of happy with. I'm still working on it, but I'm happy with it. I'm, I'm impressed, maybe, with some of the things I've pulled off. What's so wrong with myself? Why can't Jesus and myself get along? Now, Jesus isn't here, so sometimes that's where we preachers get identified. Why can't the preacher just leave me alone? Just let him preach the Bible and stay out of my business. Why is he always saying things that, that might be making me comfortable, uncomfortable about some of those things that I really have as important things in my life? Why can't Jesus and myself get along? I love them both. You say, I love Jesus. I've sung that I love him. Ever since I was a little kid, maybe in Sunday school. I love Jesus. He died for me. He's making a difference. I love him. But I also love what I'm about. Why can't they just get along? Jesus and myself. Well, here's a couple of answers to that question. And I would believe that every one of us somewhere in the in the course of our Christian life, and if you're here this morning and you've never surrendered your life to Christ, it might be because somehow you've gotten the impression that <laughs> if you accept Jesus, it's going to mess up your life. So there's certain things that I'll put up with, you say, but I'm not going to surrender to Jesus and, and put in danger all these things that are me and mine. I don't see why I can't have a if, why can't I have a foot in both worlds? Why can't I follow Jesus according to my own inclinations? What's wrong with that? Well, here's several answers I'd give you today and give myself, remind myself. You can't serve both Jesus and self because. Now, let me just pause here before we start this first reason. I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to us primarily as Christians today. The same way that Jesus gave these words to Simon Peter, who had recognized that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God. He was all in until a situation came up where Peter's inner instincts just jumped into the picture. And Peter says, now this is how we're going to do this. Well, why can't both be? 
Lord, I love you and just let me control stuff a bit. I got some good ideas. Okay, here we go. You cannot serve both Jesus and self because self carves out rules and rights and privileges that Jesus does not recognize. Self carves out rights and privileges that Jesus does not recognize. Jesus won't go along with it. He just won't. Now, let me turn your attention for a few moments to one of the most eloquently written, self-focused documents in human history. It's a document that had encouraged great numbers of people to attempt a thing that had never before been done in the history of mankind. It's a world-changing document, eloquently written. This thing that had never been before done in the history of mankind was the building of a nation upon the self interests of its population. Here are some of the most well-known words of that world-changing document. Here we go. We hold these truths to be self-evident. I would say this morning, they're obvious to the self anyway. That all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That declaration not only inspired and unified untold numbers of American colonists, it inspired and has continued to inspire untold millions around our world. Who wouldn't long to live in a land like that? Many, no doubt, said to themselves way back in the day, if those people over there in America... If those colonists are successful in their revolution and build a country upon such understood rights, I'm packing up and moving there. And millions did, didn't they? And millions still desire to. Now, let me just say, I'm not making any kind of political statement here. I'm just giving an example because here's the big shocker. Here's the big shocker. Jesus would recognize none of those rights. These rights are, even by the words of the document, self-evident. Evident to the human self. Jesus wouldn't recognize any of those three rights as rights. Jesus, if he had been on earth at the time, might have said something like this. There is no such thing as a right to life. My father holds the life of every man in his hand. He has freely given it and he can take it away whenever he wills. He has said so in his word. Also, 
There is no such thing as a right to liberty. All men are accountable to the Creator, and they live under His sovereign authority. What they call liberty, he generally sees as anarchy. And finally, there is no such thing as a right to pursue happiness. My Father calls upon all mankind to pursue holiness. Happiness is defined by man's own selfish nature. Happiness is what pleases him and what he prefers. My Father has never told men that it is their right to chase after happiness. So you see, men... Men have definitely not been endowed by their creator with the unalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Men have come up with those supposed rights out of their own selves. There can be no coexistence between an earthly-based rights agenda of self-centered men and the heavenly-based agenda of Jesus Christ. It's going to have to be one or the other. It's a life choice, like no other. And it's a choice that comes to us as Christians, as well as a choice that comes to those who have not yet surrendered their life to Christ. Because we still have that selfish nature in us. And so it's choices that we need to make. Secondly, You can't serve both Jesus and self because not only does self carve out rights and privileges that Jesus doesn't recognize, but self creates situations that Jesus would not patronize. Places he would not enter. Situations he would not endorse. The Apostle Paul, understanding the the fallenness of his own human nature, said in Romans 7, 18, I know that nothing good lives in me that is in myself. Nothing good comes out of that. And so anything that comes out of that is something that Jesus himself can't endorse, can't applaud, can't patronize, can't get involved with. It's not good. So as I like to say and have frequently said, the two core characteristics of that fallen human nature, the flesh, are independence, nobody's going to tell me what to do, and indulgence. Nobody's going to stop me from stuffing myself with whatever it is I have the opportunity to stuff myself with. Independence and indulgence. It's never enough, says the indulgent person, and... uh, The old Daniel Boone, I can see the smoke from my neighbor's chimney. It's time for me to move on. I need to be a free man out here all by myself, not being impacted by anybody else. Independence in a thousand different ways expressed and indulgence. Jesus was a living demonstration of the exact opposite. He lived under the Father's authority. He said, I can do nothing except what my father tells me to do. He wasn't independent at all 
showing us how a human being should live in this world under the Father's direction. And Jesus certainly wasn't indulgent. He gave himself again and again and again to meet the needs of people. The flesh, on the other hand, creates situations and sets up circumstances where it can demonstrate its own authority and where it can satisfy its own cravings and passions. The truth of it is the stench of sin is in the air whenever self is running the show. Jesus could not and would not be found in such environments. He simply could not and would not patronize, approve, or applaud any kind of self-indulgent behavior. And we give him a problem when he finds that self-indulgent behavior in one of his own. Fellowship gets interrupted. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And when we keep his commandments, he says, my father and I will come and have fellowship with you. But the self-indulgent person is not concerned with keeping the commandments of Jesus. They're following their own agenda. And it sets up a problem for our Savior. The Holy Spirit who is with us, he, he winds up just being grieved. We put a tape over his mouth. And it's hard for him to even speak to us. You see, our Savior, our Spirit, our companion, our Heavenly Father cannot jump into situations that we have created out of our own selfish self. There's no way that one can serve both self and the Savior. It requires a life choice and sometimes frequently made. Thirdly and finally this morning, this one. You can't serve both Jesus and self because not only does self carve out rights and privileges that Jesus doesn't recognize and create situations that Jesus would not patronize, self demonstrates liberty that Jesus does not authorize. Now there's a verse, John 8, 36 says this, If the Son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. I think there's a lot of Christians that know that verse forwards and backwards. It's kind of like when I was growing up, I mentioned to you that, uh, you know, good Christian boys didn't go to dances. I remember the delight when young Christians would discover a verse in the Old Testament, the dancer's key verse. It says, and David danced before the Lord. Ah! That takes care of senior proms, that takes care of dances at birthday parties, that takes care of all kinds of dances. David danced and he was a man after God's own heart. Come on, Mom, give me a break. What's your answer to that? Well, here's a verse today that free-thinking people, even within the Christian community, it's become a life verse. If the Son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. No holds on me at all. If I'm free, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. No limitations, no bondage, no nothing. 
Christian liberty, freedom in Christ. Those are wonderful sounding words. Man's self-focused nature sees them as words of opportunity. I'm free in Christ. Don't put rules on me. Don't put limitations on me. There's a huge Christian university in Virginia simply called Liberty. Liberty University. How many would enroll if it were called Bondage University? (laughs) We're going to set up a brand new school to train young people in how to follow the Lord's service, and we're calling it Bondage. If they change their name tomorrow, their fall enrollment would probably disappear, or at least be affected. And yet, the Apostle Paul called himself Christ's bondslave. Romans 1.1, the very first verse in that great New Testament book, Instruction to the Churches, he says, Paul, doulos, a bondslave of Jesus Christ. Doesn't sound like somebody who's, who's just liberated who can do anything he wants, anytime he wants, to whomever he wants, in the, because he's a Christian and Christ has set him free. He says, I'm in chains to Christ, basically. I belong to him for the rest of my life. See, Paul saw himself as owned by Christ. Paul saw himself as being under the control of the Holy Spirit. Paul saw himself as being held accountable to the word of God the Father. The self does not accept any of that. The self, even within the life of a born-again believer, the self that's in every one of us never changes, and the self that is within us rebels, does not accept any of that talk about being under the authority of Christ. Jesus, on the other hand, revels in all of that. In fact, Jesus has set us free so that we can be part of that. Do you realize you've got to be set free in order to be bound? You've got to be set free from the world and the flesh and the devil and its domination in your life so that you can be, as it were, chained to Jesus Christ and become bound to him, become yielded to the Spirit of God. Only Jesus, by the power of his Holy Spirit, can provide that kind of freedom. You can get free from the flesh. Oh, it'll never go away, but you can defeat it. You can tell it no every time it tries to urge you towards something that is not godly. You can be free from this world with all the values, Paul says in Romans 12, if we transform our mind, we will no longer be conformed to the pattern of of this sinful world around us. And that's a freedom like no other kind of freedom. That's a freedom that no unbeliever knows what it's even like. They're not free from their passions. They're not free from the pattern of the world. They're not free even from the attacks of the devil himself. But in Christ, 
If Jesus sets you free, you're free like nobody else has ever been from those things. No unbeliever is ever found freedom from the sinful nature, freedom from the devil himself, freedom from the influence of the world. But if the Son, if the Son sets you free, if you bow the knee to Him, He will set you free from all of that. Me too. See, but the point is there's no compromise to be worked out. There's no way that both the self and the Savior can be served. A choice must be made. It's a choice with profound implications. Of course it's a choice that is made when you choose Christ as your Savior, when you've heard the gospel for the very first time. But it's also a choice that you and I might have to make tomorrow morning. We might have to make it on our way home today. Because the flesh can pop up at the most inappropriate moments, can it? There could be, there could be somebody in this room right now who's, who's having the flesh kind of rebel against what I'm saying. Yeah? Who does he think he is? Telling me all these things that are my personal business? You know, uh, kind of separate me from Christ? Or uh, that, that uh, I can't have both Jesus and me? on the throne at the same time, kind of shared duty. See, our flesh doesn't like being identified. Our flesh doesn't like us being told it doesn't belong in a Christian's life, controlling our minds and our hearts. But if, for instance, let's just compare these two things and then we'll be done. If you choose, if I choose, if any of us chooses to serve Christ, that is, choose to lose our lives in him. Doesn't mean we're going to lose our life, but it might. But to lose our lives in him is, is an ongoing process. If we do that, make that choice, we will abhor the self that still remains within you'll begin to hate that self. Not hating yourself, who you are in Christ, but you will hate that fallen human nature that is forever seeking to influence you, to live and to move you in ways that are just unproductive and sinful. You'll learn to hate that. Be a whore, abhor it. You will be offended by the rights and privileges yourself carves out. Says, you, you have a right for them to treat you better than that. You have a right to this. You have a right to that. You have a right to something else. And the more you choose Christ, the more you will find yourself offended by that thought. It's like, come on, I'm not that kind of person. I yielded all my rights to Christ and, and that right that my flesh is talking to me about is not a right that God would grant me and give me at all. It offends me. You will be horrified by the sinful situations it creates. The flesh sets up scenarios that, that, that would move you right into situations where, where you are anything but godly. 
anything but kind, anything but nice, anything but holy, and all of a sudden you're in a situation with others who are comfortable there, and you're saying, how did I get here? Your flesh had a hand in it. Your flesh said, why don't you? Might even tell you you have a right to every now and then. And there you are. Horrified you will be when you think of it. And if you choose Christ, you will turn away from the so-called liberty that the flesh demonstrates. Because it's not true freedom at all. It's just putting you under a different kind of bondage. That's if we choose Christ. If we really yield ourselves to him, we will find within ourselves our new nature. We will find ourselves being offended and horrified. And we will want to turn away from anything that has to do with our sinful, selfish flesh. On the other hand, though, for those who choose to serve self, to build their life around its passions and pleasures, they will, by doing that, be denying Christ. Denying Christ and deadening his call upon them. Now they may, only God knows whether somebody's received the gift of salvation or not. But when you choose to let your flesh have its day, you are moving Christ off to the side because they can't both be in charge of you. You're making the choice. I'm making the choice. And as a result, we choose self. You will find yourself developing rights and privileges for yourself that Jesus doesn't recognize. You'll find yourself saying things like, I have a right to. And you can hear the Holy Spirit say, no, you don't. No, you don't. What makes you think you have a right to that? But the flesh, that's who made me think that. And it's a good thought. I'm going to hang on to it. I have a right to. You will find yourself entertaining circumstances that Jesus will not participate in. He just won't patronize it. He won't say, me too. Let's enjoy that together. You'll find yourself in spots where you're there all by yourself. You know, with others who are enjoying it, of course. But you'll, you'll sense a break in fellowship between you and your Savior. You'll sense a break in fellowship between you and the Heavenly Father. In fact, you won't even be thinking much about the Heavenly Father or your Savior, which demonstrates the break in fellowship. And the Spirit with you will just be grieved. Because he can't leave you. And you've drug him right into something detestable to him. And also, you'll find yourself exercising a kind of liberty that Jesus does not authorize. You'll feel free. You'll be doing stuff. You'll be making decisions that seem like, well, you know, it, it's all good. It's all open to me. I, I can make choices all the way along the, the spectrum here. But it won't be things Jesus authorizes. And as a result, it will not be the kind of freedom that really sets you free. It'll just lead you into additional bondages. Even while you think you're, you're exercising all kinds of liberty. And so we come down to it. Jesus or self? Only one. 
can be served. My recommendation is expressed in today's final thought. We just say, serve Christ. And I say this to me the same way that Jesus said it to Peter. These words came to people who were committed to Christ. These words came to somebody who had just confessed Christ with an insight that Jesus says, my heavenly father gave that to you, Peter. But now, Peter, here's something I'm telling you. What you're talking about here is built and based upon a human concern only. And all of us are susceptible to that. Just get caught up in human, fallen, even sinful concerns. It just tie us up. Ultimately, leads to destruction. Because the good life that the Spirit would create in us just comes to a halt. And as a result, we get bound up by other stuff. And we're neither free nor happy. We're neither free nor obedient. And Jesus says, but you know what? If you'll just let me free you from that stuff, from the power of the flesh, from the influence of the world, and from the, the affairs of the devil himself, if you just let me free you from that, the life I have for you is... Uh, like nothing anybody else could ever imagine. It's abundant. It's full. It's free. It's directed. It's narrow. And he says, I offer it to you. I claim that this day. I claim this every day. I'm not standing before you as somebody who says, boy, my flesh is gone. Ask my wife. <laughs> but you know what? Yours isn't either. Your flesh isn't gone. And so the, we need to take a vote almost every day. We need to cast our ballot to say this day, maybe this hour, maybe in this situation when we're under pressure, say, I'm going to cast my lot with Jesus Christ and I'm going to have nothing to do with this. I'm going to have nothing to do with this. And let me tell you, it is a life choice like no other. You know, because it, it affects everything in life and it makes a difference the quality of life that we have. Our Heavenly Father, we know that Jesus uh, never really stepped back from just saying the things that needed to be said. And here he said it right to Peter and his own apostles. He pointed out to them that they can be enthusiastic about things that have nothing to do with the plan of God. They can be passionate about things that, that seem so right to them that Jesus says, but those are just human concerns. Fallen human concerns. Sinful human concerns. Father, we're, we're just like them. Even things we get passionate about just because we're passionate doesn't mean we're right. And just because we're passionate, it doesn't mean that we're, we're aligned with you. Because human concerns can make us passionate. Human concerns can get us riled up. Human concerns can, can seem so right to us. And that's because the flesh is so real within us. 
Father, I pray that we might yield our lives, we might lose our lives in the sense that they're no longer ours in our minds. We lose our lives in Jesus Christ, for Jesus Christ, our Savior, that we might discover we will gain it all. His presence, his blessings in this world and the awesomeness of the world to come. So Father, may may our life be his. May we set aside things that don't belong. May your spirit give us wisdom to know the difference. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Mark. Taking us through another passage in Red Letter Living. If you rise this morning, we'll close the service. All the things going on in the world, one thing does remain. That is, love never fails. Covered by the power of your grace.
love never runs out on me. Your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. On and on and on and on it goes. It overwhelms and satisfies my soul. I never ever have to be afraid. One thing remains. Your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never we hope this message has inspired you to live the sun life together with us. If you are near Apple Valley, California this weekend, we invite you to join us in person Sunday morning or through our live broadcast. All the details are on our website at sunlifecommunitychurch.com.